and she was going to stand in front of the people that were amply a setup for what's coming later. That what we do now, it's our choices. Does it stop echoing if I stand behind the speakers back here? Hello, hello, hello. Is the echo gone? Yep. Oh, he thinks he, he, he's waving me forward. He thinks he fixed it. Or maybe my mic isn't close enough to my face. Something up. All right. But Jesus goes through over and over again and says, you know what? You're going to live this way. And what you did right now, it affects eternity. He says, you've been faithful with this. So intern to eternal rest with this. And he goes through and countlessly, the Bible goes through and says, you know, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. This is what you did. And First Peter says, right now you're experiencing trials that will result in praise at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And each one's work is tested by fire in First Corinthians. And um, over and over again, the Bible goes through and says that what we're go through right now is to set us up for what is yet to come. Yet, what do most people spend their life doing? Trying to find approval, trying to fit in, trying to acquire things, thinking that maybe these things are what life is all about. If I can have more, if I can have faster, cooler, bigger, like whatever it is, they're looking for <clears throat> a bigger screen, a smaller memory stick, a like they just like, you name it. It's can I have better than somebody else trying to be something. But if you stop because you know it's real, it changes everything. Can you throw that picture back up <clears throat> or the picture up? This moment just stuck out to me where when I watched the movie and they're like, hey, you know what? You want to do a series from this? And Tim came up with all these grand ideas of different topics from the movie. I came up with one. Um, <clears throat> I, I watched this and there's great topics for all this different stuff. But all I saw is this isn't real. And, then I, and I watched her just sitting here recognizing this moment going, I can change how I live and I don't have to live in these circumstances the same way that everybody else does because I know that these circumstances aren't even real. I know that this isn't eternal. I know that this is just temporary. <clears throat> and she breaks free from her circumstances because she realizes what's real. Do you realize that as a Christian, you are supposed to know what's real that many people don't understand, and it's supposed to set you free? That we don't have to be a slave to fear anymore because we begin to understand that God has more for us, and it's what he says that actually counts. And no longer do we have to be controlled by the opinions of other people. As I... As I was thinking about this, there's, there's a story in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. And this story is really long. It's one verse. Um, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And you go, what does this have to do with is it real? One guy learns something. What does he learn? He learns that there's a treasure in this field. So what does he do? He goes, I want to buy the field. Do I have what it takes to buy the field? I don't. So he starts doing stupid things to everybody else. Everybody else goes, why are you selling your car? 
Why are you selling? How are you going to get to work without a car? He goes, it doesn't matter. Just I'm selling it. I need to get rid of it. Why are you selling your TV? What are you going to do? You don't have a car. You can't go anywhere. Now you're selling your TV. Yeah, I'm selling my TV. Do you want my bicycle? Then how are you going to get anywhere? Yeah, my phone. You want my cell phone? I'll sell it to you. Like, why are you selling everything that you own? You're weird. You're messed up. Why? Like, nothing that you're doing makes sense. And he goes, I don't care what you think. I need to sell these things because I need to buy this land. He went and so sells everything that he has. And everyone looks at him and goes, why are you living different, you crazy guy? And he, he doesn't go, oh, well, they all think I'm crazy for selling my stuff. And then I'm able to keep my phone. Like, he's like, I don't care what you think. I'm selling it. And then later when he goes, buys the land, busts out the gold, and like, you know what? Hey, the treasure that was on my land is now mine because it was in the land that I bought. So now I have millions of dollars and I can get my own house and I can get back my car and I can get a new cell phone and I can get all these things. He, he lived different because he goes, my eyes are on something beyond because I know what you don't know. I can live like you don't understand. And as I began to think about this, I thought, wait a second. I know something that a lot of people don't know. I know that God is coming back, and I know that today is simply preparation for tomorrow. I know that today is setting me up for the day that I stand in front of God. And if I can realize that how you think of me and how I compare to you doesn't really matter, and I can realize that this is just a simulation, if you will. This is just practice for eternity. The only thing that matters today is the choices that I make. When I get to heaven, I'm not going to sit there and go, well, how many inches was my TV? You know, did my house have the layout that I wanted? You know, well, did I have as much influence or success in these different... I'm not going to care. I'm not going to care how green my grass was. Sure, I'll try to fertilize. I'll try to take care of the things that I've got. But at the same time, I know that that's not what matters. And begin to live different going, well, I want to live in a way that I am ready to stand in front of God when the simulation is over. Because right here, right now, doesn't really, these things aren't what matters. It isn't real. And it makes it easy or to stand up for your faith when you begin to realize this. I remember... In high school, I had a friend, he was really mad at me um, because he had a crush on a girl. And we were hanging out and he was getting to hang out with this girl and they put a movie in. I'm like, yeah, cool, we'll watch a movie. And it did not make it very far into the movie before we discovered it was not a very appropriate movie. And um, it got in and you're like, sketchy, sketchy. Oh, okay, this is just bad. And so I'm like, we're leaving. He's like, no, I'm not leaving. I'm like, we're leaving. No, I'm not leaving. I grabbed him and drug him. Literally, I drug him to the door. He stood up after I made it from the couch all the way to the front door, um, dragging him. Uh, and he wasn't very excited. He's like, well, why? And he gave me a hard time because I, I had a standard that he didn't have. He gave me a hard time when I showed up places and wouldn't let him get into trouble that he wanted to get into. And when I was in college, I had friends, I had people I went to college with that, began to, that mocked me and gave me a hard time because I had integrity. Because I wouldn't let them cheat off my test. and like, come on, we're friends. I'm like, shut up. Not anymore. Like, uh, it, it, look, this is, I 
what you think of me is not what counts. Right now is just practice for the day that I stand in front of God. And I am, if I can remember that that is more real than my popularity at school, that that is more real than these things that are going on around me, all of a sudden it changes something because so often you talk to students and you're like, you know what? I know that I should be inviting this kid to church. I know that I should sit with this kid at school. I know that everyone picks on him and I feel bad, but I'm afraid to do anything because what if they pick on me instead? And there's all these different things, but it's all of a sudden kind of brought me back in the movie as she's running through these different things and it's one problem after the other and just going, wait a second. This isn't real. This doesn't matter. Because all of a sudden, when I begin to understand that I am free, because I'm not living for the simulation, I am living to stand in front of God when it's all done. All of a sudden, it begins to set you free to live a different life. It begins to set you free. And the Bible says the weirdest things, if you don't understand this. I'm going to read you a verse that if you don't understand this concept is just plain stupid. Okay. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet with trials of various kinds. What kind of an idiot says that? <laughs> Count it all joy. People hate you. Hello, hermit. Like... What, what, how is that counted all joy? Here's one from Jesus. Blessed are those who are persecuted. What? what? Who wants to get persecuted? Yes, persecute me. Mock me, ridicule me, stick me on the outside. Like, what? No. I, I don't know of anybody who actually wants to be persecuted, but he goes through this and he says, for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He goes, they begin to catch something that they're beginning to live differently because they don't care about what you think because they realize it's about what I think because in the end, the, the simulation is going to come to a close and real life is going to begin. The simulation may seem like a long time while you're in it, but in the end, it's just a brief blink of the eye. And he goes... This life is merely a blink of the eye that's setting you up for the one that is to come. He says, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, revile you, spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Like when you start to read this at first, you're like, what kind of an idiot wrote this? And you're like, it was Jesus? That's not even, doesn't make sense. And he says, rejoice in that day, leap for joy, behold, your reward is great in heaven. And he goes, right there, it's this shift. He goes, if you're focused on the moment and on the simulation, it doesn't make sense. Why would I rejoice when someone's trying to push me out, when someone's trying to mock me, ridicule me? But he goes, all of a sudden, it's this shift of, wait a second. You rejoice because that doesn't even matter. You rejoice because you can look at it and go, this isn't real. This doesn't count. The thing that counts is when this is all said and done, I'm going to stand in front of God. What choice did I make right now? Did I withhold doing the right thing because of what they thought? And all of a sudden, it, it begins to change perspective. I wondered for the longest time, when I begin to read the book of Acts, and the, uh, a couple of the apostles get beat and charged. This is Acts chapter 5, verse 40. When they called... 
in the apostles. They beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were worthy, that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Like you, I can see you keep going, but why do you rejoice in the fact that you got persecuted? And they go, you know what? It's not a, look at me, I'm holier than you, I went through more than you. That's not what it was about. It was going, you know what? This is temporary. And I know that I'm going to stand in front of God and I'm going to rejoice because he's going to honor this. I rejoice because we've gotten to pursue God into a way that threatens the devil. I get to rejoice because God is using me. Paul says something that, that literally I, I come back to. I, I don't know if I can, I don't know what my favorite verse is. I have a lot of favorite verses and I have a lot of them that just shake me. This is one of the ones that just shakes me. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body that is the church. You go, what is lacking in Jesus' affliction? Didn't he pay the price for us all? Because getting the word out. And he goes, I rejoice because I get to partner with Jesus to get this word out. And what you do to try to stop me means nothing to me because I know what I'm living for. And as he says this, it begins to stir something inside me going, this is how I want to live. I get to decide. You get to decide. Are we living for the simulation or are we living for the king that we're going to stand in front of when it's all said and done? Because sometimes we all need this reminder. We need that reflection where she's in there and she's in a panic and all of a sudden she looks and goes, wait a second, this isn't real. But the choice of choosing what we live for is our most important choice. And it is one that will echo on in eternity forever. We get to decide whether we live for the moment, for the simulation, or for eternity that lies beyond it. Have you decided what you're living for? Have you decided who you're living for? Some of us just need the reminder, the reflection, to see it again. But some say, you know what, today I need to make a decision. It's not going to be about this moment. It's not going to be about today, but it's going to be about living for God every day because someday I'm going to stand in front of God and I want to be ready. I want, I recognize that today's choices is all about that day. And if you want to make a decision that you want to follow God, that you want to make him the Lord of your life, that you want to know that you're forgiven, that you're right with God and on your way to heaven, I want to give you a chance to make that decision. Everyone bow their heads, close their eyes. That's you. When I say three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, get ready. Two, you get to make Jesus the Lord of your life. He says, whoever calls on his name will be saved. Three, raise up your hands nice and high. So that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. That's me. Awesome. Who else says that's me? I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. All right, you can put your hands down. If you raised your hand, in fact, or if you've already done this, then go ahead and join us as we declare Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again.
Thank you for washing away my sins. I want to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.